So how many have been in, enjoying the series, God Is? You all enjoying it so far? Today, we're going to be talking about God is love. Can we say that together? God is love. Now, that can be found in 1 John 4, 8. And let's just go ahead and open up and read that text. And then we're going to dialogue about this. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we understand God. Um, I think it's really important that we, we realize that our theology is not, theology is not a bad thing. Like, you know, sometimes we, you know, you might think, well, I'm, I'm not into theology. I'm just a Christian. Well, everyone has their own theology. Like we all have a, a view of God and how we understand God. So theology is not bad, but we have to understand that sometimes um, repentance, repentance isn't just turning away from our sin, but it's actually changing the way we think. That's right. And repentance is ongoing with theology because we're continuing to discover who God is. And in that pure revelation of who God is, he decontaminates and deconstructs the areas that need to be deconstructed. And God restores the view of who he really is. How many can say amen? And so we're going to talk about God is love. What does that mean? Now, this is Christianity 101, we're going to be discussing some things that are really foundational, but it's more than, than what, it's something that we profess. We have to experience and encounter the, the revelation of this, okay? So 1 John 4, 8, if you have your Bibles, um, just open up to 1 John, and we're going to read actually verses 7 through 12. Are you all ready? Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because, say it with me, God is love. Now, I'm going to stop for just a minute. In the beginning of this letter, he says, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. Not only is John communicating how important it is to understand that Jesus has come in the flesh, Jesus incarnate, God in the flesh has come, and we have seen who the Father is through the life of the Son. This is why he writes about it in the gospel in John 14. Jesus, he records the words of Christ saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when we talk about theology, let me just encourage you. When you look at Jesus, you can't go wrong. Amen. Just fix your eyes on Jesus, and Jesus is the perfect revelation of who God is. This is found in Hebrews 1.3 and in Colossians 1.15. Two very strong verses that exemplify what I'm saying. So he goes on and he says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his, only, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Can you say amen? Let's pray and then we're gonna go for it. Father, thank you so much for this morning. And we just pray, Lord, that you would wreck any view of, of you that we have that is not like Jesus. And the Lord, that you would just uh, cleanse our minds and we would repent, we would change the way we think, 
uh, about ways uh, that we see you that are not healthy and that are toxic and that come from, uh, Lord, Greek philosophy and all the stuff, God, that we have been set free from. So, Lord, thank you for your people this morning. And we just pray for revelation. And we pray for uh, just the depth of your love and who you are to be revealed to us today. In Jesus' name, shout out with me, amen. 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 So we're going to start, and last service, Chris and uh, Travis shared some great things, and, and I, I want, I'd love to have you, uh, Chris, share again uh, your journey about sonship, and, and Travis, uh, some of the things that, that you've encountered with the love of God, and, and just that understanding of God as Father, but I think it'd be cool, why don't you, without giving it all away, tell us a little bit about this discipleship thing that's happening, and where we start with people. And then maybe read some of this, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's just kind of naturally who I am just as a person and God, what God has kind of been molding me for uh, with discipleship. And um, I started doing it kind of organically with just a couple of guys, if you know Sinclair, um, Henry, um, Justin, uh, some of these guys in our church that we just kind of started meeting on a Monday morning and really like bringing people who are just kind of starting in their faith to like this place of maturity where then they can also lead others. Um, and since then, uh, we started this last year. Um, since then, we now have, I don't know, seven, it's going to be like six or seven groups starting in January already. And now, you know, each of these groups, they meet for a period of time. It's very dedicated uh, and it's not officially launched to the church at whole because mainly the, the main reason because we don't have enough leaders to lead growth groups. So there, there's a season of time where we have to grow and raise people up and then release people where now all of a sudden there's this exponential multiplication that's happening in mature believers. And this is the first thing that we go through. This is called the original Christian gospel. Uh, Can you just get excited about growth groups for a minute, though? Now, listen, yeah. okay. you must be special because we haven't announced this to yeah, any this other is... service. You must be the favorite service. <laughs> now, we're going to have some sort of sign-up thing, right? Eventually, that's what we're thinking. Eventually, we're going to do a draft, open up. and yep. we want your picture. Ooh, a draft. First-round draft pick. It's going to be draft. We're going to have a, a complete, we're going to have a war room. Pick your disciples. And we're going to pick our disciples. And... Um, <laughs> Follow me as I follow Christ. And then we will, uh, if we're going to fight over them, we'll have some kind of competitive. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's super I, wrestling. Like I want, um, like if somebody wants Crispin and, they, and two people want Crispin, then they got to fight over him. Crispin's new. It's, that's Crispin. Everybody say oh, hi. Fight over Crispin. <laughs> right? He has a cool name. It's Crispin Kretzman. I'm that sorry. Name, I just, you have an awesome name. Crispin is your name? Crispin Boss. Name of the No, he's awesome, though. Boss. So, like, I feel like somebody, or Eugene, for instance, people might want to fight over, oh, I want Eugene in my group, right? Who wouldn't? Like, like Sinclair's already like, I already got Eugene. He's already claimed. We're trailing, so, yeah. we're trailing a little. It's all right. I mean, we hope Chem you guys. Trail. You're valuable, bro. He just sees the leadership anointing on your life. Yeah, come, <laughs> come on. on. So the first thing that we go through in, in gro growth groups is this little booklet right here. It's called The Original Christian Gospel. And how many of you guys know that a lot of the things that the early church 
believed, um, modern American church has kind of gone in a very different direction. Um, So you have um, orthodox belief systems, right? And then you would have, um, what's the word? Well, I I mean, (laughs) I missed that. Huh? Unorthodox. Not unorthodox, but... um, Protestant? Protestant. Protestant. Sorry, the word escaped my mind for a moment. So you have like this orthodox way of looking at theology, and you have a very Protestant um, way of looking at, at who God is, right? And when I read this for the first time, it's like it resonated with my heart as truth. Like I already knew this stuff, but it was like the way that this guy puts it in words and communicates who God is in his essence in such a, look at, look at the size of this book. How many of you guys are scared of this one? This, these 20 something pages will wreck your life. He's a, uh, he's a little tiny Orthodox priest. He's a short little man, but he's so humble. And my wife and I got to meet him. He's he was a priest over at Orthodox Church in, uh, it's not Snohomish. Is it Snohomish? Everett, Washington. Well, that's where we get our coffee. No wonder that coffee's so good. True. It's this that's Orthodox right. priest blessing the beans. Come on, somebody. That's a divine revelation. Glory to God. So this little dude is so humble, though. When we met him, he wasn't standoff. He knows we're Protestant. He knows we're not Orthodox. We're not baptized Orthodox Christians. And he was so warm and inviting. We took a picture. He gave me his book, signed it. But he was one of the original co-founders of Jews for Jesus. And then he converted to Orthodoxy. And so, and God has really used him uh, as a priest. And he has some beautiful writings. Good stuff. So I'm going to dig into this just a little bit. And we're going to unpack When we say God is love, because each of us have a different lens that we come from, we've had different life experiences with people that were supposed to represent God to us, parents, right, Right. who are supposed to be loved to us and and gave us a bad view of what that looks like, or we've gathered from, like Zach said, Greek philosophy or through different doctrines that have been passed down that have brought us to this point. So when we unpack this, this is such an important topic, okay? So please just... Open your hearts right now and just, just, uh, just receive this. So the original Christian understanding of love and salvation is shockingly different from what we are often presented within non-Orthodox Christian churches. First of all, God is love even before he creates. He is love even before he creates. His love is not just an expression of his will towards creation or simply an attribute but rather God loves by nature because of who he is. Love is intrinsic to his unknowable essence. But how is it that one God who is perfect and lacks nothing can be love when love necessitates a relation to another? The issue of whom God loves before the creation of the universe is resolved in Trinitarian orthodoxy. God is understood to be not an absolute unity or monad, or monad, but a com- composite unity, a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person of the blessed trinity is fully divine and for eternity loves the other two. Come on, this is good. The trinity is an eternal union of love existing before the creation of the universe. And I love in John 17... It says, before the foundations of the world, the Father was loving the Son. 
And we have to understand that because God is love, and Zach broke this down a little bit in first service, and I want you to kind of, if you could go back into that, but our idea of God as, as mon, our, our idea of monotheism is different than other monotheistic belief systems. Uh, Islam, Judaism, these kind of things. So the, the fact that we believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the only way that we can say that God is love. Because if you believe that God is one and he's not in community before creation, then he cannot be love. Because love requires there to be more than one. And in the case of our belief, there are three, and there is a father-son relationship. The word that we use for this to describe it is perichoresis. And I think it's, it's the, the foundation that we see. We have to understand this, that he, he is community. That community is not something that God does. It's who he is. Right? And that opens up a whole new way of living for us when we realize that we've been made in his image. And now, as in his, in his likeness, now we are forced, you have to live in community and you have to make decisions and choose whether you want to be in it or not. And that's the beautiful thing, I think, about, um, about who God is, about why he created us and, and the amazing love um, that just proceeds from him at every moment. So... Um, it changes everything. Yeah. Like it, it changes the way you pray. It changes how you live out, how you see God. And it changes how you come to God in prayer, mm -hmm. or how you come to God in worship, how you come to church. And it's not like, you know, I, I don't know about you. I was raised Catholic, and that's not a bad thing per se. I'm not Catholic. I don't agree with all Catholic theology. But I had a different understanding of God. It was more, now if you understand the history of the Catholic Church, that the focus is more on the transcendence of God. And so if you go into a cathedral, big, tall ceilings, that is meant to exemplify the transcendence of God. Now, in the Orthodox Church, every Orthodox Church has around, have you, if you've seen them, like the Greek Orthodox Church, who goes to the Greek food festival? Oh, yes, glory to God. Who loves Greek food? Yes. So they have <laughs> around... Uh, like, and then a steeple across. Now that, in, if you go inside a Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox church, it's the picture of Jesus because they focus on the, on God incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ, more on the eminence of God. In other words, he is close. He's not far. He's not separate from his creation. But so I was raised with this concept that God's kind of far. Now in my mind, and I, and I, yeah, well, he's everywhere. But like, there's still like this distance, this gap. And in this gap, there's performance, there's good works, there's, uh, am I lovable? Am I accepted? Does he really forgive my sin? Have I committed the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is unforgivable? <laughs> How many ever read that scripture? You're like, oh God, did I ever do that? You know, and we have all these things that come up and it's these lies and these delusions that try to keep us in darkness. But the revelation of God in the person of Jesus shows us that he is, he's not just a monad, solitary God, which by the way, Greek philosophy came up with a lot of that. Greek philosophy, like if you study Plato and, and uh, Aristotle, you know, the understanding of God was a stoic, emotionless, impassable, immovable being. Sometimes we pray to statue gods. 
Hello? Karen was sharing with me earlier, she was ministering to somebody and, and the way this person saw God was, you know, and how many times we, we sometimes do that. You know, and have you ever looked at a statue of Zeus and he's just stoic? That, the stoic philosophers are known for that. And some of that emotionless view of God has crept into the church. And then God's not a person, a relatable, but how many know God is not just one, he is three and one in essence. The Trinity is not... Is, is literally three persons in one, one in essence. And, and so it changes everything. So now I'm not coming to God thinking like, well, is he smiling at me right now or is he ticked off at me? Because his disposition is always love. It's always love. Now we can resist that love and we can turn away from that love and that fiery love might feel like torment, but it's always love and he pursues us. Yeah. And we're not separated from him. He's right there. Colossians says we were separated from God in our minds. But it's interesting. Like we'll take all these scriptures and think, well, I'm separated. No, even the scripture says sin separates us from God. If you keep reading in Isaiah, that's not what the prophet is saying. Our sin has separated us from God, but not God from us. If that's the case, then why did Jesus sit and eat with sinners and touch lepers? He was God and he looked right at them with eyes of love and forgiveness. So when we look at Jesus, we're like, all right, the God that I've imagined and the God of archaic religion and the God that I used to hide from and the God that seemed far is not the true living God of the scriptures and the God that Jesus reveals. In the Lord's prayer, I'm going to just say this. And then let's unpack the Trinity. Chris, I want you to share some of the stuff you shared about your, your encounter with God's love and how it shaped everything. And you knew yourself as a son now. Um, really, really powerful. Every time he shares it, you can really sense the, the presence of God. But Jesus revealed to us Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He came to end the confusion of how we see God. Now, how many know the Lord's Prayer? How many were raised Catholic like me and you know the Lord's Prayer, right? Lord's Prayer is powerful. In Luke, it says, Father, who are, uh, it doesn't say who are in heaven. It says, Father, holy is your name or hallowed be your name. Do you know that a lot of times I think we misunderstand what that hallowed means, like sanctify your name. May your name be kept holy. Do you know that in, in a lot of uh, scholars' translations, the word hallowed or holy, that, that word is the opposite of confusion. If you read it in the message translation, it says, Father, and he, he basically says, reveal who you really are. In other words, right in the heart of the Lord's prayer, first Jesus addresses God as Abba. That, how many know Abba is not far? A daddy's right there. And then he says, he says, reveal who you are. In other words, end the confusion of how we've seen you. And this is in not only the heart of the Lord's prayer, but the heart of the ministry of Jesus was to reveal who God is. God's not far. God's not this impassable, immovable creature that doesn't want relationship with us. He actually responds and reacts. And we were created for communion with him. And the, the reality that God is love is, here's what it is. God isn't capable of love his very essence is love. There's a huge difference. If we still believe God that love is an attribute of God, we're still trying to get him to love us. But when we know that his very essence is love, because he's Father, Son, Spirit, 
we can come to him without fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. It's profound. Now, in the revelation that Jesus brought as God as Father, Son, Spirit, did you have another scripture you want to read? Okay, let's read, uh, can we read the, the Luke one? Tur turn if you would, you guys have your Bibles? Who has a real paper Bible? Raise it up. The real Christians, please stand up. Come on, somebody. Let me hear that paper move. No, I'm not gonna read it from your iPhone, Travis. I, I'm gonna read it from, no, okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Verse 21 of Luke chapter three in the NIV. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son who I, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. And then Jesus began his ministry. The first time we see in the New Testament, the Trinity revealed, you see the Holy Spirit, the son being baptized and the voice of the father. This is profound. And what Chris brought up last service is that, and I love this revelation, that, you know, Jesus started his ministry with hearing the voice of the Father that he was pleased. Mm -hmm. Think about all the ministries that are built striving to please the Father instead of already knowing that we're pleased by the Father. And then moving on and making it our aim to please God. Because how many know we want to please God? But if we act like orphans, we can't please God. God's not proud of that. God doesn't look at that and like, oh, oh, yeah, you're acting. When we, when we live from our sonship, oh, it's a fragrant offering to the Father. He's like, that's how I created you. That's what I made you to do. So let's unpack that, bro. Let's uh, share a little bit of your story about your encounter with the love of God. Yeah, so I was raised in the church. Most of you uh, that know me know that. And um, a pastor's kid. A I'm a third-generation uh, pastor. Um, my my uh, actually my mom's actually I'm a third generation worship pastor too, but it started with my grandfather on my mom's side. So I've only I've, I honestly I've only known Jesus. I've never not known him. I I, I think I was birthed in a pew, <laughs> and I used to run around the church as a kid. It was awesome, and I used to stand on my dad's um, stand in the behind my dad's podium. He had he had remember those big huge podiums of big uh, wood podiums, just like, and I could barely see over it, and I would preach the gospel to the nobody in the congregation. I would just pretend. just pretend. So I have always known God, but I didn't really understand who I was as a son. I didn't know the depths of the love of the Father. And that's why I think sometimes we can sit in something like this and go, oh, yeah, God is love. We know it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Everybody knows God is love. But I think a lot of us really haven't experienced it to the life-changing, uh, that it'll cause life-changing things. Filters will be lifted. Literally everything will be different. So if you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, 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 I don't get it. Great, great. When's it lunchtime? I'm going to just encourage you, just, to, just ask the Holy Spirit if you really if you really need to know the love of the Father in a way that will cause you to understand your significance in Him, it will change everything. And so, that started for me, um, I don't know, 14 years ago. I was up at Bethel, we were, um, and I was doing School of Worship, actually, and I had been a seasoned worship leader for a while, and I was like, ah, whatever, Bethel. I mean, I was with a bunch of kids, and it was just like... 
just here, here's some chords. I mean, it's just like, and uh, you know, you became best friends and, with Brian Johnson. No big deal. Yeah, right. That's true. He doesn't. He hardly texts me back anymore. But, um, and so, yeah. But so, but it was good. It was it was a, it was a total setup from God. I thought I was going there to maybe learn some more worship stuff, and really I was going there because God had a divine appointment for me to have an encounter with Him in the sanctuary of Bethel when uh, Kim's, my friend Kim Walker, name drop, is singing. Um, she's doing this song by John Mark McMillan, who I spent some time with, name drop. And the song is, I'm just name dropping today, John Mark. And the and the, the song is he, How He Loves. Remember that song? He loves us, oh, how he loves us. So, and I'd sung it maybe before, once or twice I'd heard it, but for some reason, in this moment, I'm standing there, and Kim is leading this, and all of a sudden I feel this rush of heaven, and my eyes are open. My spiritual eyes are open. And it's like God, the love of God, just pours on me and into me, and I start weeping, and I go, this is what I've been missing. My entire life, I'd been in ministry for years, in vocational ministry, and I had, I had never experienced the love of God before that moment. It had always been just an attribute of God. And so then, because it was an attribute of God, it was just an attribute of me. But then, like you say, essence, is that the word you used earlier? It became the essence of who I am because I realized it was the essence of who God is. And I began from that point to see myself as a son, not an orphan. I would have said I saw myself as a son until that moment. And then when I looked back, I went, I wasn't acting or living like a son. Because I was raised not from my parents. They never even put this on me. I don't know where this came from. I have no where, where this mindset came from. I, I believed you had to pray so many hours a day. You, you couldn't, you, you could only sin two times in a day. You know what I mean? Like little sins maybe were okay. But in order to please God and really pleasing God to me was equaling his love. It was if I, if, if I pleased him, he loved me. So I would sin, whatever, whatever it was, and then I would, see the, I would see that God was turning his back against me. And then guess what I would do? I would turn my back against him. And there'd be this chasm for sometime months and months and months. And I still loved him. I still was ministering. I still was doing my thing. But there was this chasm. And it wasn't until I'd go through the rituals of you know, praying and doing right and striving, then I could approach him again and say, I've been good, Daddy. Actually, I didn't even call him Daddy. I've been good, God. Will you love me? Will you? I mean, I knew he would love me, but would you really love me? And then he would turn his back toward me again. Yeah, I'm, I love you. I'm pleased. And then I'd do something stupid again. And then he would turn his back. But he never turned his back. He never turned his back. You know how I know that? Because it's right here. Romans 8, in the passion. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that this love 
that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstance that we, nothing in our future that can weaken his love. There is no power above us, beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. You can do nothing, nothing to separate you from God's love. Nothing. The only thing that separates you is your mind. What about this? Look at this picture real quick. This is God speaking over his son. I love you. And here's the, here's the man. But I'm having an affair. I'm, I'm cheating on my wife. And God says, but I still love you. But I've done some terrible things. Look, if you want to be real, maybe the guy says, I've committed atrocious things against children. And there'll be a consequence to that. But guess what God says? I still love you. And it's the love of God that causes that heart to turn back. Nothing can separate us. When I understood this my life changed. Everything changed. My worship changed. How I saw, I, had, I didn't have kids, but when I, when I had my first child, it was like, I, I know what it feels like. You know, and when you have kids, you even have a deeper understanding of the love of God. So for me, it was that moment in time. It was that song, and it was released, and my heart was opened, and everything changed. I like what you shared a little bit for service too, how it's the love of God that transforms. It's the love of God that frees us, tells us who we are. Yeah, it's like that, it's like that guy that's having an affair or whatever. I just, I just used it. And he's already in shame. He's already, con he's already in condemnation. This is someone that you know, knows the Lord, right? A Christian man. Or maybe somebody into pornography, whatever, whatever it is, right? And so they carry this shame and condemnation. And then when God's love is revealed, and it's never not being revealed. So I should say this. When our heart is open, even for a little bit, and we feel the, the love of God, we see it. It's actually that love that exposes that thing so we can be healed. It's the, it's the love of God that comes in and goes, no, I'm not bringing condemnation. You think I'm going to bring condemnation because that's what religion tells you. So that's why our, your heart's hardened. But guess what? I'm coming in to bring restoration. And it causes my heart to repent, to bow. God, you are love. And, and, and nothing, nothing you do, nothing you do would cause God to be ashamed and, and move his head towards you. Where do we get this that God's, God can't look on sin? Where do we get that from? Uh, Habakkuk. God can't look on sin. Yeah, because the prophet's saying, Lord, something like you can't look upon sin. And then the next verse says, then why do you? Right. Like it, it's not, we don't read the context right. of it. He's not saying that God is not able to look and see somebody's sin, right. look upon sin. 
He's, the prophet's like, why are you letting this happen? That's really the language that he's using. And we take that one verse, but then if we do it outside the incarnation, Jesus stared right at sinners. He ate with them. Yes, he chased right. them down. That's he looked right. at the woman caught in adultery, said, go and sin no more. Your condemners aren't here anymore. It's amazing. Uh, it's, the, it's the love and kindness of God that brings, draws people to repentance. That's right. So when, here's the thing. When you reject God's love, you're literally rejecting him because that's who he is. It's a sad thing. You know, we, and then when, you know, when Harold was here, uh, we talked about, there's a, I love Harold, there's a moment when we're, we're awakened to God's love and we receive him. There's a, there's a time, you know, we make a decision, right? And I've heard you say this before, which is shocking to me, that, that you believe, I think it was you, or maybe it was Harold, that even, even on like deathbed, someone's deathbed that lived a terrible life, didn't accept Christ, and there's always a there's always an op, always a chance, always, and even that guy can look at the love of God and reject it. It's amazing to me. He doesn't reject us, never. We separate from him. And you said first service, God loves us so much, He's given us the ability to reject Him. That's real love. Yeah. Without the ability to choose, there wouldn't be real relationship or love. That's good. So it would be impossible for God robots. to create That's us in, a, in his image without the authority to actually resist his love. Amazing. That's why we're in a mess. That's why the world is still messed up. It's not because God... Right. It's because we turned away. And that's what's great about this booklet is he goes into that and he talks about like why Jesus died and our understanding of sin. It's more than just an action that we commit in darkness. It's the disease of darkness itself. Mm -hmm. That's right. And Jesus came to heal the root of it. Sh share some insight what you're feeling, bro. I feel like because we understand now that, that God is loved because of the Trinity, we have to understand that love is transactional and that God is looking for people to love. And, and religion tells us that, that God is looking for people to love him. But when we really understand that he is love, that he's actually looking for people who will let him love them. And from that place, we get to love him back, right? It's not that we love God, but that he loved us first. And he's looking... Or will we be a people that will let him love us? That's, that's the essence of who he is. I am love. Here I am. Will you let me love you? Right? And, yeah. He puts us in the center. Zach's saying he puts us in the center of that relationship. And he says, look, let me, let me dance around you. Let me... Let me let me transact with you, right? Let me pour into you and let me see what you give back. Let me see what you give out because you can't love from an empty place. Will you let him love you right now? He's the one searching and pursuing your heart. And I felt like I heard God whisper to me earlier to, to have you lead an altar time, Chris. And I just feel like there's people the same experience that you had at Bethel is available right here for people. 
And I don't know why, I just, I, I felt like I heard God whisper, say, Chris, let Chris lead this altar time because there's something that's going to be, uh, there's a transaction that's happening right now in this place. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Listen, we don't do this often in, in our movement. I grew up doing this where you, you, you make a declaration. People see it. I don't want you to be ashamed or embarrassed, but I'm telling you, if this there's a moment right now, I kind of felt this too, there's a moment right now where you can receive that. I want you to stand up. Don't worry about anybody else. Just stand up. It's a prophetic act that you're saying, this is legit. I really am serious about this. Come on. They're starting to pop. It's like popcorn. One goes, another one will come. Come on, I want you to stand up. Don't worry about anybody else. You know, it's funny because when we stand before God, it's just us. <laughs> wow. Look at this. Whoa. What key are you in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. So we're going to just spend a few moments, and we're just going to let God do what he's going to do. You know, another great thing about that verse, nothing can separate us from God, neither height nor debt, angels nor demons, neither present nor future. There is one word that is missing from that specifically, and it's the past. Because you have no legal authority to your past. If God has cleansed you, why are you hanging on to it? He isn't. The past is not in that scripture. He loves us. Go ahead, sing it for me. Receive this thing right now. A revelation. He loves us. Let's get the band up here. Come on. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, receive that love. 